0: Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. We need to understand that every Christian, we always have two kinds of experiences, uh, various moments of door experience and way experience. What that even means, Pastor? What it means door experience and way experience. That's my goal today, and that's why we need to pray. Close your eyes, bow your heads. Holy Spirit, only you can bring revelation. Only you can speak truth in areas in our lives, in our families, in our relationships that no one can. You are able to uncurtain, unveil secrets of our hearts and minds. Not to expose us to shame, but to transform from inside out our lives, our characters. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that the result of this revelation bring us to the new level of faith. A new measure of trust. Let us be known in Southwest Florida as a church that believes boldly. That believes you, God, radically, intense. Father, I pray that these messages can really bring a new measure, God, of faith and surrendering. In Jesus' name, once again say, Amen and Amen. The title of my message is pretty simple, Door and Way. The door experiences are those experiences that once you have it, you have a sudden change. It is a new opportunity. It is a new job that requires new skills. For us, it's a new building that requires us a lot of new challenges and investments and time. It can be a new relationship. It can be a new marital or family status. In other words, you are single but now you are dating. You are dating. And now after you cross the door, you are married. But after some years, some time, married, you cross through the door. And instead of becoming to be a couple, now you are a family. Doors change your life in a moment. You cross the door and a new journey is ahead of you. God is the one that opens door for us. It was God that opened this miraculous door for us. This building definitely is a new door for each one of us. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. And the angel of the church in Philadelphia, to him we write, the Lord writes, The words of the Holy One... The true one who has the key of David. Say key of David. Key of David. Everybody say key of David. key of David. This key in him, he opens and no one will shut. He's the one who shuts and no one opens. So if we want to have sudden change in our lives, we God to have the key of David. And again, there are many interpretations, hermeneutical approaches about what in the world is this key. Now, definitely, it is a direct quotation of Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22. Look what it says in the Old Testament prophet. And I will place on his shoulder, say shoulder, That's important information. I'm going to use in a few more verses. I'm going to place in his shoulder the key of the house of David. A.K.A. key of David. He shall open and none shall shut. And he shall shut and none shall open. So prophet Isaiah is making a messianic prophecy. Is he speaking of the coming Messiah that will be better than any steward that the palace of David ever had? Because this messianic figure, he' will not going to be just a steward that preserves the treasures of the house of David, the palace. He's going to bring the treasures, the riches, of the palace. Of the castle to everybody. Say amen, everybody. Which speaks about the church. The church is the one that now holds the key of David. We open heaven to everybody who believes. It is the church's responsibility to play the role to open the palace to all peoples, all nations. Maybe you never heard about this. But let's go to Matthew chapter 16. And this is when Peter is speaking with Jesus. And he receives the key. Jesus speaks to Peter. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. You here is Peter. That he somehow represents the church. He is one of the fathers of the church. One of the first apostles that represents the church. And as the church... Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Are right, you guys with me? Yeah, so it is a big responsibility. It is a big role we play as stewards and holders of the key of David. We can open heaven to the lost, to the broken, to the desperate one. And yes, my friend, we can also close the door of heaven. We can be a hindrance. We can be a barrier. We can become a a, a stumbling block instead of a stepping stone for people to come to Jesus. Now, the key of David is a very powerful uh, uh, spiritual symbol in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament. And to understand even better the key of David, which opens doors for us, we need to remember who David was. He was uh, remembered, he is remembered for many qualities. He was the boy that defeated the giant. David was the faithful prince that became faithful till the end to his predecessor, Saul. David is the man with that valiant and courageous character, always leading poor, desperate people into become valiant and courageous heroes of David. He is known for many qualities. And the most famous one, he was the man after, going after, chasing after God's heart. Say amen, everybody. And how did David... Practice that chasing after God's heart. Half, I'm sorry, more than half of the most famous book in our Bibles, the Psalms, were written by David. He was a worshiper. He had a praise lifestyle. He always worshiped God. And as soon as he had the chance to bring God's presence Represented by the Ark of the Covenant to the capital of his kingdom. He made that possible. He built what is known in the Bible as the Tabernacle of David. In the Bible, there are only two tabernacles. The Tabernacle of Moses that was built in the time of Exodus. It is the Tabernacle of Ritual. The tabernacle of fear. It is a tabernacle that represents the continuous and fearsome sacrifice. You always feel at lack. You're always afraid of God. The tabernacle of Moses, it's over. And I know some people are still living in the principles of the law. In the time of the tabernacle of Moses thinking that that's the way to relate to God. If I perform right, if I do my best, and if I try to obey all His commandments, I will be blessed. But the Bible never promised that the tabernacle of Moses will ever return. His goal was always that every person from every nation, from every ethnicity, could access his gracious presence. That's why the scripture promised that the tabernacle of Moses will never return. But there was another tabernacle that one day will return Amos chapter 9, verse 11. Amos chapter 9, verse 11. In that day, I will raise up a booth of David the booth of David that is falling and repair its branches and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as the days of old that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who are called by by my name declares the Lord who does this. Verse 13, which if you don't if you didn't show up in our services in the past weeks, you don't know that. But this is our one of the verses for the year. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the trader of grapes, him who sows the seed. And the mountains shall drip sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. You know what Amos chapter 9, verse 13 speaks of? A door moment. A sudden change. An immediate shift in your life, in your marriage, in your finances, in your ministry. It is this moment that the plowman is overtaken by the reaper. It is a sudden, accelerated, faster change. Now notice that before... The door time in your life comes before an accelerated time comes upon your life. You must first experience the booth of David or the tabernacle of David. And that is the only tabernacle that was promised to be restored, to be rebuilt. Now... We are in the New Testament, Acts chapter 15. And the disciples are wondering, are non-Jews, are Gentiles really part of God's people? Can we really introduce people that do not practice Jewish rituals, keep the Sabbath, do not eat bacon and ham into the congregation of the, what will be called the church, and one apostle, to be precise, Jesus' own brother, blood brother, James, Apostle James, come up in the meeting. He says, absolutely, yes, because it was always God's plan from the very beginning. And to convince the all other leaders of the church at the time that it was always God's intent... To open the heavens to all nations, he quotes Amos chapter 9. He brings that prophecy in Amos chapter 9 and says, this is it. This is the fulfillment of that promise. Look, Acts chapter 15, verse 16. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David, the tabernacle of David, the booth of David that has fallen. And I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind notice that James changed a little bit the reference of uh, Amos chapter nine. in Amos chapter nine, instead of mankind, the word there was Edom, Edom, which it's very similar to the word Adam, Adam, which is also very similar to the original Uh, Aramaic, human, human. So Edom, Adam, and human is all the same. That's why James already interpreted for us what Edom was all about. Was about all mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who makes these things known from the old. Now what I'm all saying this, I'm saying this because... There is a key that is activated by praise. It is a key that like David as a worshiper and a man of praise opens doors. Say with me, praise. praise. Come on, everybody, say praise. praise. And worship. worship opens doors. Now, you have to get this because if you want to have more door moments, door times, door events, shifting of circumstances faster in your life, you must have the key of David, a life of the tabernacle of David. Now, praise unlocks doors. It is worship that unlocks doors. So when we lift up the tent of David, the tabernacle of David, Acceleration take place. Blessings reach out to you faster. Moses' tabernacle was always a restricted access uh, paradigm, environment. To get into the presence of God in the time of the law was very, very hard. It was a very selective group of people that could see God's presence. But in David' tabernacle, in the booth of David, which points to Jesus, which points to the church, everyone can get closer to the presence. Now, while in the tabernacle of Moses, there, was, there were a continuous sacrifice uh, ritual in order to keep God's wrath, God's uh, justice appeased. Now, in the tabernacle of David, he literally brought the ark accessed by anyone that had a heart of praise and a heart of worship. It is not mentioned in the Bible that there was any sacrifice in the tabernacle of David. There was only one, which was the moment that the ark was brought to Jerusalem, which again points to the only and sufficient sacrifice of Christ that gives us free access to the ark of the covenant. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 30 says that now we all can prophesy. We all can get closer. We all are invited before the presence. It is time for you to stand in your life group. It is time for you to use your prophetic gift. To come before God's presence with boldness. And lead again. And be used as a prophet again. To use your acts of mercy gifts, your counseling, your discipling, your caring gift. It is time for all the prophets, all the worshipers, all the people of praise rise again. That's the calling for the tabernacle of David. It is a free access place that we all can enjoy God's presence and be used in His presence. Now the key in the tabernacle of David... Points to us, the church. And Jesus gave us access to the presence of God through his only one and perfect sacrifice. There is no more fear. There is no more condemnation. We don't need to be afraid or expect any harm from God. On the contrary, Hebrews chapter 4 invites us, verse 16, let us then with confidence. Draw near to the throne of grace. Let us now, before God with worship and praise, get closer and receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. When we keep this lifestyle of praise, when the first words that come out of your mouth when you open your eyes in the morning is praise. When the last words you say before you close your eyes in the pillow it's praise believe me God will catapult you God will create this catalytic reaction that will accelerate blessings upon your family upon your ministry The Bible says in John 7:38 whoever believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You don't need to know in a technical manner. You don't need to know the perfect harmony or songs. Just start praising. You just need to start praising. This is actually a fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 12. With joy, we will draw water from the wells of salvation. And he will say in the day, give thanks to the Lord, Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that His name is exalted. Sing praises, verse 5 says, to the Lord. For He has done gloriously. Let this be known to all the earth. Yes. So there is no praise in silence. There is no praise in murmuring. You don't praise, just whispering. Say a good amen, everybody. You are meant to be a loud, shouting Christian. We are not just loud and shouting and crying kind of Christian because we believe in the charismatic movement. Say amen. But also because it is what is expected to come from within you, from inside. Shout and sing for joy, verse 6 says. O inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. So worship and praise are part of this heaven reality. If you really want to to use the, the key of David, the key of the kingdom, to bind on earth what is real, what is the will of God in heaven, we must. We must practice praise. We must develop worship lifestyle. The key of David was an evident symbol. Remember the word shoulder I ask you to, rem- to uh, remember? It is in Isaiah chapter 22 says that the, the messianic figure you use the key in his shoulder. How is this even possible? Probably was like a, a necklace because the key was a very thick, big key to open every single door of the pallets. It was a visual, evident, public symbol of authority, of access that he has to use in his chest. Everybody will know that that man kept the key of David. Let me ask you this. Is your family aware that you are a true worshiper Or you only worship in the secret of your room. But Pastor, Jesus asked us to go in the secret of the room. Yes, this was for the hypocrites that were doing that in order to be seen. Just for receiving praises of men. You don't want to receive any praises of men. But definitely you want to use the key of David in your chest. In your shoulders. People around you are going to see that the atmosphere, your environment is blessed. Because you carry a praise, worship lifestyle. Say amen everybody. The key of David, the tabernacle of David, a life of worship and praise. Bring door moments in your life. Bring time changes in your life. Sudden, immediate changes and new opportunities in your life. Now I told you that every Christian goes through door and way experiences. Now, I see the time, and I'll need more five minutes. You guys give me five minutes more? A few amends, but is enough for me to go? Imagine someone says, no, Pastor, no, I don't give you five minutes. I said, I'm so sorry, my brother. You know, the majority wins. It's democracy. Thank you. So let's talk about the way, right? The way moments. Because, again, once you are dating now, you enter through the door of dating, you cannot behave as a single man anymore, as a single girl anymore. Once you are engaged and you cross the door of marriage, you cannot behave as a dating man or a dating girl anymore. Are right, guys with me? You enter in a, through the door, you have a journey ahead of you. You have a path, a way before you. Are you All right, guys with me? And again, once you actually cross the door of couple to family, you know that your nights will never be the same. Because the babies will never allow you. And you have a whole journey, a whole path, a way to walk. But here's the deal. When we keep the tabernacle, the key of David, in the chest, in the shoulders, even the way is faster for the believer. This principle is important because now that you have a lifestyle of worship and praise, in your way, things will be accelerated. Why? Mainly because the good shepherd. Come on, everybody, say good shepherd. The good shepherd leads the way. You all know Psalm 23, verse 3. He, the good shepherd, restores my soul. He leads me in paths. In ways of righteousness. For His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadows of death. Not that He led me there. I made the wrong decision. And I end up in the valley of shadow of death. Even though there I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me the rod to make me walk faster, to poke me when I am lethargic, when I am comfort, when I think that it is saddle. It's so good to have the Good Shepherd bringing, me, bringing over my life His rod to admonish me, to remind me, to poke me and push me forward. But when I am on my own strength and my own self-righteousness and on my own endeavors, thinking that I know better and I am doing on my own pace things that it has to be in God's timing. It's so good to have His staff pulling me back, stopping me from wrong decisions and, and blocking me and, and protecting me from the wolves that might be around me from my wrong decisions. His rod and his staff They comfort me. Say amen, everybody. Now, how the good shepherd leads the flock. He leads in ways to always find fresh pasture. Even if the fresh pasture is in the top of the hill. But he leads us in a spiral up mountain process. It is not a straight line because we can't. We don't have muscles developed yet, and it is rocky. We're going to fall and hurt ourselves. So God always leads us in cycles, in different levels. I already taught you guys this in the past, but for some, it will be first time. So here I am in 2011, and I was seven years married already. So I, th- I said to myself, I know what marriage is all about. Seven years is enough to teach me what it is to be a married man. We moved to United States, 2011. We entered through a door that brought us to a new path, a new way. And for my surprise, I started to have confrontations with my wife, pretty much the same we had in the first years of my marriage. But it was in another level. It was with another a context. Through the door, I was passing in the apparently same way, but I was in a higher level. So imagine you are climbing a mountain, but in a spiral way. Are you guys with me? You pass that same point again, marriage conflicts, but now never in the same level. You are higher in the mountain. Are you guys with me? Are you guys visualizing this? So When we planted this church, 2012, it was my fourth church planting experience. Vine Church, Fort Myers, was my my fifth church. So I said, I know how to plant a church. Things are going to be awesome. And for my surprise, I was facing a lot of the same challenges that I faced in all the four previous experiences of church planting. But all in another level. Requiring me a new level of faith, a new level of trust, a new level of maturity. When we enter the path, God wants us to teach new skills, new abilities. He wants us to suffer new adaptations because there are new doors ahead. It is always like that, but in God's favor, in God's timing, Even the path, even the way is shortened. Let me give you two examples. And because of timing, I'm going to just tell you the stories. I place all the Bible verses, but I'm going to tell you the stories. First story, a real one. We have Philip. He's an evangelist. He's preaching in the city of Samaria. And thousands are coming to Christ. And the Spirit of God came in over uh, uh, Philip and asked him to go to a desert place. Go, let's go to Acts chapter eight, verse 26. Go to a desert place." Acts 8:26. Look at the very end of the verse. But wait a minute, God, demons are being cast out. Paralyzed people are raising up. We haven't seen miracles. You are using me in a tremendous way here in Samaria. What I'm going to do in this desert place, the rest of the story tells us. He meets a eunuch in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And Philip uses this encounter and preaches Jesus to the eunuch. And the eunuch gets to know Jesus. And he says, what will block me to get baptized because I believe the Messiah. I accept Jesus in my heart. Let's go to verse 39. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in another city, Azotus, and he passed Through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So what in the world happened here? What happened here is that the God that is out of time and space shortened space, accelerated your journey, accelerated your path. Now, some people wonder if they are... Ministry, it's really effective when they have this very rebellious, annoying, uh, disobedient children in his kid's life group. Or some couples leader look to that couple that is so stubborn and never get baptized after you have preached, insist, and they don't go through the next step. Is there any chance of uh, transformation in this family? We should never belittle the encounters that God creates for us. Because relevance, it's not measured for the number of people you have in your YouTube channel. Relevance is if you touched a eunuch in a desert place. Scholars believe that because of that encounter, the North Africa was reached out by the gospel... Through the conversion of this eunuch. Philip and all the apostles. Who never had such relevance. Influence. If that encounter would not happen. Now pay attention. Let's go back to the point here. Because Philip was accelerated. Because of God's urgency. To save the lost. He moved Philip Faster. It is a superpower. It is a rapture moment. It is a teletransportation. We don't know the details of how this happened, but the God that is out of time and space can do this in your life. He can shorten journeys. And I know people will criticize you because you believe in such a crazy idea the things we're going to get faster in your life just because you believe just because you are like Philip you are available in God's hand you need to remember that Jesus was crucified one of the accusations is because Jesus had said destroy the temple and in 3 days I uh, will rebuild it now why Jesus was saying that it was a spiritual statement when we prophesy that 2022 is a year of acceleration. This is a prophetic spiritual decree. This is a spiritual statement. People around us may criticize, may resist us. But resistance is only a sign of potential energy that eventually becomes kinetic, kinetic, movement energy. It is just like a bow and arrow system. Like a slingshot. Resistance is just accumulating power to thrust you, to kick you off, to thrust you, to really push you forward in a faster way. Pastor, I can't see this taking place in my life. I don't see things changing faster in my life. I wish things would be different by now. But that's what I want to encourage you to keep believing. Keep confessing. If we are perseverance into believing and trusting, God will trust us. God will release us. And the blessings and the promises that will take 10 years to take place will happen in one year. Months will become days. The problem is that some of us keep this complaining habit, this grumbling lifestyle. We look to social media and try to impress people that could care less of what you're eating dressing, and really think that this brings meaning of life. And the result of comparison is always complaining. It's always in satisfaction, Just like the two guys. Sorry, I have to tell you this story. I heard this week. The guy was in the lunchtime. And they opened his lunch box. And says, I can't believe. My wife cooked that again. It's not my favorite, but at least I have something to eat. And his friend besides him says, I don't like my food either. So the guy asks, so your wife cooks something you don't like? And he says, no, I cook it myself. And that's the the result of people that keep complaining. They just keep a lifestyle of complaining, not realizing that the change is a decision you have to make. A decision to believe bigger, greater, more boldly. Now, I want you to experience what Philip experienced. The thrust of God. The push of God. But you have to respond to that by faith. You have to be available by faith.